Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew on SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast that will almost assuredly see me scolded at the Thanksgiving dinner table this year. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you individual that is certainly less concussed than Brian Lewerke right now, how the hell are you? I'm doing very well, man. I am sad, lonely, and just been missing some Michigan football this week without it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I got through it. There was some really good football. It was as far as a non-Michigan football weekend goes. It doesn't get much better than that. I got to watch Bama lose. James Franklin had some tears flowing down his extremely bald face. Uh, And uh, how about Brandon Peters taking down Sparty the week before we get a shot at him? The Michigan reject is what Spartan fans were calling him. Reject no mo. That was awesome. From 28 to 3. Oh, yeah, you love to see it. Yeah, another Michigan quarterback coming back from 28 to 3 uh, against Illinois, or excuse me, Illinois against MSU, no less. And I mean, that was great. We'll get into that and more. Uh, some other news that came up over the bye week, though, some Michigan related news that uh, kind of helped me get me through the downtime there. Uh, Chris Evans will be available in 2020. I don't know who's going to deliver food in Ann Arbor anymore, but it won't be Chris Evans. Uh, it'll, it'll be nice to have him back. Just adds him even more depth to the running back room next year. So just kind of roughly looking at it right now, Hassan Haskins, Charbonnet, 1A, 1B. 
Chris Evans, then Blake Corum, Christian Turner, if he's still around. I mean, feel a lot better about that room with just the addition of Evans coming back. Yeah. Uh, beginning of this year, we were kind of talking about how we felt running back room might be, you know, not a position of weakness, but we're a little on the fence about it. Next year, that will not be the case. Uh, I, I like how you have it there. I would say 1A, 1B, Haskin, Charbonnet, some combination of that. Evans is your change of pace back. Hopefully we can use him out of the backfield a little more. Some of that speed and space coming back next year. And then, yeah, I predict Blake Corum. Um, Christian Turner might still stick around, but that's a pretty loaded running back room and good for Chris Evans. I mean, it was a bummer what happened with him. And, you know, he he stayed true to the program. He's still in, in Ann Arbor and, you know, dealt with his punishment accordingly. And he'll be back next year. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, he really proved what it is to be a Michigan man. Even when not enrolled in the university, he just kept saying, I'm coming back. I'm sticking with this. I will return. And that's easy to say in the moment because everybody wants to say that. But to actually display that level of perseverance says something about the character of the kid. Absolutely. And we don't even really know what happened. There was rumors that it was academic related, maybe some cheating. I'm not going to get on a kid for cheating. All of our elections are rigged. Everything's gerrymandered. The Astros were stealing pitch counts in the World Series. Everyone's out there cheating. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Let the boy run. <laughs> At least he's back next season. That's all that matters now. Absolutely. Another guy that'll be back next season for sure now is Josh Ross who Harbaugh came out and said may only play in one more game to preserve two more years of eligibility. How do you feel about that? I feel ecstatic. I love this. If he's going to be banged up most of the season, only play him one more time, preserve that red shirt. And you know that one more time is going to be Ohio State. It's a win-win-win. Yeah, just looking at the schedule, it doesn't take a genius to figure out where that one game that we might need him is going to be. It will definitely be that game. Um, I mean, we, we've got some some tough tasks ahead of us starting this weekend with Sparty coming to town, but they can't hold a candle to Ohio State. So he gets to come in, play the rivalry game, and it doesn't count against his eligibility. That's a win. That's a win for Michigan right there. The, uh, the future at linebacker and running back looks good. Two more years of Josh Ross and Cameron Grown together. Yeah. Oh. oh, my goodness. Man, yeah, that just made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. That is that is music to the ears right there. And we haven't seen much of Josh Ross this year, but we know kind of what we get with Josh Ross, and we don't really know what his ceiling is. But the thought is that it's actually higher than his brother. Yeah, it is. And he's a, just a heavy hitter. He's really good at stopping the run. Uh, decent in coverage. Um, he's, he's not going to, he's not camera grown fast, but he can get sideline to sideline. Definitely an upgrade from people like Devin Gill and that nature, but you're just putting another dude in there that has experience, can play the position at an above average level. And he's just going to get better. Now he gets an extra year at Michigan. I'm all for it. Yeah. He's an absolute thumper. One of the hardest hitters on the team. So, so that was good. Um, around the big 10 and in the CFP poll, Michigan drops to 15 from 14, just due to some moving in front of them. But Minnesota, after a big win over Penn State at home, biggest win since, I don't know, they were they were really running the table there in like 1904. But definitely the biggest win of this century. Minnesota jumps into the top 10. Good for them. It is good for them. Yeah, they're the reason Michigan dropped down one spot. But good on the Golden Gophers. We've always been P.J. Flex supporters on this podcast. So he's done good things with that program. And that was a quality win he got this weekend. It was something Michigan couldn't do. 
Yeah, I mean, he seems like he'd be really annoying at parties, but that creep can coach. And, I mean, he's going to be a sought-after commodity now. Minnesota already re-upped him, so I expect him to come back in one of the easiest divisions in one of the toughest conferences that you're going to find. I mean, just the, the difference between the West and the East. Why would you leave when you can run the table almost every year over there? Um, here's my question for you, though. If P.J. Fleck makes it to a Big Ten title before Harbaugh, is that kind of an indictment on Harbaugh, or is it just a case of P.J. Fleck having an easier path? The latter. It's not an indictment on Harbaugh. If the 2016 team was in the Big Ten West and maybe played Iowa at home or something like that and their crossover games were you know, <laughs> Indiana or something like that, no, this, this is already put to bed. This is far from an indictment of Harbaugh. It's just – Good on P.J. Fleck. They played that easy schedule. They got one quality win now. They're going to have a chance for a couple more traveling to Kinnick and then at Wisconsin, or home for Wisconsin in a couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, they very well, they control their own destiny, make it to the Big Ten Championship. I mean, he very well could make it here in, what, his third season in Minnesota? Yep. So, I mean, he's done, he's done a hell of a job there. Props to him, and uh, I'm glad they locked him up. It makes the Big Ten stronger, which, you know, is – by proxy good for us i guess and uh yeah we'll see what he's able to do it's going to be tough going into kinnick and uh, against wisconsin but i i predict minnesota makes it this year that's what i'm predicting them to only have one more loss i think wisconsin gets it but let me ask you the uh, typical arrogant michigan fan question if minnesota plays michigan this season at a neutral field who wins uh what point in the season <laughs> let's say November uh, Michigan wins it thank you that's all I, yeah. I rest my case <laughs> yeah but, I mean, but it would not be easy Minnesota playing really well they just don't beat themselves and they they utilize their receiving talent better than we utilize ours and I hate to say this but Tanner Morgan's probably a more dangerous quarterback than Shea Patterson I hate to say that but I need I, a I bigger sample size but he is talented He's talented, and I think he'll probably get more NFL looks than Shea Patterson does. And that doesn't mean like anything as far as what your abilities are in college. I just think that Tanner Morgan, I mean, I don't know. I, I think he might be a better all-around quarterback than Shea Patterson. Uh, they've got receivers that they utilize a little bit better. On defense, I mean, it's night and day. We're a much better defense than Minnesota. But it'd be interesting. We get him next year, though. Yeah, but we'll battle it out for the jug again. Yeah, no, and I'm looking forward to it. It should be a good contest. I mean, it's just our schedule getting harder and harder every year, and now with Illinois looking like a competent team, too. The Big Ten just continues to get stacked. Speaking of Illinois competence, <laughs> they are bowl eligible after coming back from 28-3. to Let's go, Lovey Smith. Let's go, Brandon Peters. What's a bigger surprise, Minnesota or Illinois? It's got to be Illinois for me. It has to be. like Minnesota... With P.J. Fleck at them, you felt like they were getting closer and closer. Maybe not to this level, but Illinois winning, have a chance to win seven or even eight games this season after the first half, what we saw Michigan do to them. Like We thought this team was worse than Rutgers that first half. Yeah, I actually predicted Minnesota to start out 7-0, I think it was, because if you look at their schedule, they didn't have to do anything up until Penn State. So I actually predicted that. I was like, they're going to start out really strong. I kind of thought the wheels would fall off a little bit. So really the only surprising thing Minnesota's done is that Penn State win, which is a great win. Illinois, every win that they get surprises me. 
Victory itself is a surprise for everybody in Champagne. It's like, oh, we want, want another one? We have a football program? So, <laughs> and it's really cool to see that it's uh, former Michigan quarterback Brandon Peters leading the charge there. And he just lit up the Spartans in the second half. You know that felt great for him for more than just a few reasons. Absolutely. They won me $300 on that game too because I, I didn't think there was a way in, in hell that Sparty wins another game this season with how terrible they've looked. And Illinois just come on and on and on. We saw it against Michigan and we kind of thought it was Michigan maybe just sleepwalking through that. And now I'm starting to think, well, maybe there probably was some sleepwalking on our behalf. Uh, but Illinois is not as bad as we thought. I, I think we can definitely say that at this point. They're not. And we owe apologies to Lovey Smith because – this team is well coached, has, you know, stayed the course. They're going to go to a bowl game for the first time in several years. That's really tough to do there. It really is. And Brandon Peters, I think he should have another year there too, right? No, or no, because no, he was no, grad. This is, yeah, this grad. is it. Yeah. yeah, he was grad. Uh, so I don't know if he'll do enough to play himself into the NFL, but he's getting more of a look than he would have sitting behind Shea Patterson here at Michigan. So I'm really happy for Brandon Peters. I mean, I'm a fan of the kid. He won us a game, some, a couple games, and probably would have won some more if he would have stayed healthy. And good for Illinois because if this didn't work with Lovey Smith this year, they weren't really in a position where they could fire him and go get anyone better. So they almost had to stay the course. So now it really looks like uh, they knew what they were talking about all along. Yeah, and just another quality team in the Big Ten. Like you spoke about Minnesota before. This is another Big Ten West team that just raises all ships. So it's good to see. Now it's got to get Rutgers to get everything together. <laughs> that may never happen. And I mean, we kind of lost Northwestern as a quality team this year. The wheels have fallen off Northwestern, something we haven't really talked about much, which is so strange. How do you go from the Big Ten Championship to one win? Um, and it's just a very bizarre program over at, at Northwestern. And just some of these fringe Big Ten teams, you never really know what you're going to get with them. Yeah, what the hell? We were praising Pat Fitzgerald as being the best coach in the Big Ten. But if you're the best coach in the Big Ten, even if your team is bad, you don't have one win entering November. It's, it's really, really bad. I mean, uh, and I mean, we'll talk about another team that hasn't won a game since September um, after the break. But yeah, Northwestern, what a fall from grace for them and Pat Fitzgerald, who you and I both ranked as the best coach in the Big Ten in the offseason, just because what he's able to do with what he gets. And I still think he is a great coach. I think that this is a down year. It can happen there. I mean, especially when the talent gap, anybody that they play, I mean, it's going to be kind of a close game. They're not going to have much more talent than anyone other than like UMass. So these fringe bowl teams, a lot needs to go right in every game, and things have just kind of gone off the rails for Northwestern. You leave the UMass Minutemen out of this, okay? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that that was a sensitive subject. <laughs> no, Northwestern, they'll bounce back. Pat Fitzgerald is way too smart to – let this linger for more than one season. This is a pretty inexcusable season. He's definitely not the best coach in the Big Ten. It's just you can't defend a one-win season if they finish up 1-11 or even 2-10. But they'll bounce back because he is still a good coach. It'll be interesting to rank the coaches after this season because now you've got P.J. Fleck and Ryan Day. Welcome to the party. Um, and they're probably – I mean, it's tough with Ryan Day because you've only seen such a limited sample size, but look at what they're doing to everyone they come up against. Yeah, he'll be the coach of the Redskins, so we'll just, we'll just you know, will that into existence. <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep pushing that until it happens. Or maybe the Browns. How about that? He doesn't even have to move. There we go. Take over for Freddie Soup. 
I like it. Doesn't even have to change his uh, his area code. I like it. Nope, he can go there, take over things, run some RPOs, all his things. You know, offensive guru Ryan Day. You're all set, man. Yeah. All right. Well, let's will all of this into existence. I'm totally fine with it. And PJ Fleck can go to Florida State. <laughs> Enjoy Tampa Bay. Or no, sorry, Tallahassee. Tallahassee. Yeah, it's worse. It's landlocked. If you're going to live in Florida, why would you be landlocked? What a terrible place to be. It makes no sense. It's like living in a basement. That's exactly. I live in a basement, by the way. No, oh. you know that about me. And I and I choose the basement. It stays cool in the summer and warm in the winter. The only Floridian in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we all know what this week is. It is hate week. Different feel to this hate week, though. Wouldn't you agree? It is. It's a little more civil. It's kind of nice. A little more civil just because, I mean, it's like watching a dying fish slowly take its last breaths in the gutter. Um, I mean, you don't want to sit there and just humiliate it while it's, you know, struggling to live. And, you know, th- that being said, we also have kind of had their number a little bit in the last years, even though Harbaugh's two and two against them. So we'll take a quick break when we come back. Let's get into some hate week. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are in hate week, people, so it's time to let the anger and hatred, the vitriol flow through you. Like we were saying before the break, though, nothing like last year. Last year was something else as far as just the tensions that were building for that game. Just a different feel to it this year. It just doesn't feel as intense and personal. The barbs are less and less, but have no fear. The intensity will still be there this weekend. That's not taken away at all. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if there's anything that we know about D'Antonio and the Spartans is he will get his team up for this game and they'll play their best game of the year. Um, And I used to respect that. And that was kind of the one thing I did like about MSU was kind of that chip on our shoulder mentality. And now it's just become annoying and tedious to me. Um, When you're four and five, you're coming off a loss to Illinois where you lead by 25. Your last win was in September. And then you're asked by reporters uh what was it the the question was 
What do you say to students, alum, and fans to let them know that this is not a trend? D'Antonio says, next question. The lack of accountability, just the lack of like a personality. I mean, the dude is just essentially like walking cardboard and, and anger. There's no way his wife is happy. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just become tedious to me. I, no, I no longer even enjoy the their attitude. No, I liked it more. They would trade barbs and he talked about pride comes before the fall. Make it personal. Make it like that. It's what makes college football Ooh. and sports fun, but Next question to a more than fair question about what you want to say to your fan base is that's just ridiculous and selfish. It makes you look like a child. It's like you said, the lack of accountability is just sickening. Like take some, take some pride here. Say, we're going to turn things around. We're sticking the course. We're going through some bumps, you know, we'll take our licks, but we're going to give them out in the future. Just hang with us. But no, nothing like that. That was, that was ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And I mean, you couple that with the lack of accountability the program's had for some off the field stuff, which we really got into last year before this game. That's when that was really going on. And I don't want to, you know, kick a whatever it is, kick a dead horse, you know, but in his past four years, D'Antonio has a 24 and 24 record with a 15 and 18 record in the Big Ten. So ignoring all the off the field stuff, he's not getting it done on the field. And a reporter comes out with a more than fair question, like you just said. And I mean, where is the hope? Like you're not providing any sort of tangible like goals or tangible solutions here. I mean, you you have the chance in the offseason to go hire some new blood and you just shift your coordinators. You don't make any major changes to the program. If I were a Michigan State fan or a Michigan State alum or a student, I'd be mad too. Yeah, your football program did not score more than 10 points in a game in the month of October. You have the 43rd ranked recruiting class. You're even behind Kansas. Like Oof. the team is not performing. The future looks dim. You have the number 24 ranked defense when they should be top five with the talent they have. The 106th ranked rushing offense, which is an improvement from 115 last season. And the 65th ranked passing offense. This is inexcusable. Michigan State is not a Conference USA team. They're in the Big Ten. They won 11 games in five of six seasons this decade, and now they've just nosedived. You have to have accountability about the direction of your program. And I get that it's tough because of that stat that you just said. D'Antonio's taken to the program to heights they have not experienced, and honestly, most people wouldn't expect them to experience. I mean, they're not on the tier that you would imagine to have been to the college football playoff. Of all the teams that have represented been represented in the college football playoff they're without a doubt the weakest program and i don't mean that as like a knock it's just the fact like you are not oklahoma you are not ohio state you're certainly not bama ls like you're not on that level so i mean this dude took you to heights that you shouldn't even have reached really yeah he raised the expectation and set it that high so when he makes that the expectation and the standard at michigan state you can't settle for the products you're putting on the field now no, you really can't. And I don't know if this is going to be the nail in the coffin um, this season. I can say that I don't think Michigan will be the nail in the coffin, though, just because of what he's meant to the rivalry for that program. I really don't think they'll give Michigan the satisfaction of being the end of D'Antonio. No, but he cannot go out here and lay an egg in this game and get stomped like 31 to nothing or anything like that, or that seat's going to become molten lava next weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if it's really bad, because, I mean, that's what he's been able to do. He's a master motivator. Harbaugh came out and said that in a press conference this year. It's been kind of weird. They're just, like, trading, like, back massages, verbal back massages with each other this time around. Like, 
I don't know, maybe it's because D'Antonio realizes he doesn't really have the uh, the team to back him up this year, like if he wants to talk a bunch of smack, and Harbaugh sees a dying fish in a gutter. Could be the case, but D'Antonio is a master motivator, so I expect they're going to play a really good game on Saturday. They'll come out and they'll put their best game plan in. Every play they've been saving, it's for this game. Like They've already got through Ohio State. The rest of their schedule is cake, so this is it. This is the big one. This is their Super Bowl. This is more important than a bowl game. It's how they're going to send out their players. So you better believe they're going to come out physical. They're going to trade some jabs with Michigan, and they're going to have the momentum at times. It's just how it works in this rivalry. It is. I mean, and yeah, so let's kind of get into the X's and O's and how we think this is going to go down. Uh, let's start with their offense, where I mentioned in the intro, I am reasonably certain Brian Lewerke has a concussion and it's not being addressed. I mean, the parallels between Brady Hoke's final season and what eventually got him the axe and what I'm seeing right now under this D'Antonio Michigan State team, I mean, the parallels are striking. Yeah, his quotes have just been repulsive, too, about I asked him if he was okay and waved off the medical staff. You can't do that. This is 2019. You don't just tell a kid to rub some dirt on it and get back out there. It's not how this works. Players were calling for him to get help when he took a knee to the head. I'm more worried about this kid's safety outside of football and what he's going to do with his life. And we've always been Brian Lewerke defenders as a player anyway. Like, no, this this kid's good. He needs help outside of football, outside of the rivalry. You can't, you can't ignore player safety like this. You really can't. I mean, you can't listen to someone that's like out in the field of battle like that saying that they're good to go. I mean, look at the Black Knight from Monty Python. Merely a flesh wound. Of course he thinks it's a flesh wound. He wants to keep fighting on. Pride, you know, he's got all the pride in the world. And I mean, good for Lewerke for wanting to do that. And I mean, I'm sure his teammates rally behind that, but it's not the smart thing to do. If you have a concussion or you even think that there might be a chance you have a concussion, you've got to come out of the game and get checked for it. Now, here we are on, we're recording this on a Tuesday night, and he still hasn't been checked. He still hasn't even like gone through concussion protocol to determine if he does have a concussion. And after that hit, I'm telling you, the way he dropped that ball and how lost he looked, I mean, it was shades of Shane Morris from a couple years ago. Yeah, no, Matt Stafford, for comparison, would play without his legs and his arms and would still want to go on the field. But you have to tell the warrior to come out and do its best for his longevity, his future, and his just own significant well-being. So, no, I hope he's okay. Let's just, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Say he's fine. Say he comes out there and gives his best game, and they're right. But chances are it's not. And this could be, like you said, like it was for Brady Hoke, this could be the straw that breaks everything. It very well could be. And yeah, I don't like to give a lot of credit to Michigan State quarterbacks just because looking at all of them, they look like Hitler's wet dream. Uh, they're just really upsetting to look at. I mean, they look like polygamists that are probably married to one of their cousins. Every single Michigan State quarterback, they all look like the exact same person. But that being said, they usually get quite a bit out of limited talent. And Lewerke, not really striking numbers so far this season, but he's better than Rocky Lombardi. So, I mean, I'm sure if Lewerke's able to go, we'll see him on Saturday. Uh, but there is a drop-off between Lewerke and Lombardi. There, there is, most certainly is, as fans can remember from last season, when Lombardi came in that game. Lewerke won, single-handedly won the game for them in 2017. In that monsoon game, Michigan's defense was swarming, but didn't account for Lewerke's escapability and the way he can run with the football. Deceivingly fast, creative when things break down, and... He's really dangerous at all times to convert a third and six with his legs. 
Yep, and uh, they'll try and run the ball with Elijah Collins. He had a great game against Illinois in a loss. Uh, 170 and two touchdowns in that game. He's got 715 and five on the year. So, I mean, if you look at it on a game-by-game perspective, not that strong against better defenses. So they have trouble moving the ball against better defenses. No different than what we saw last year when they could only muster 94 yards of offense. The offense in general has been a mess. I mean, they're going to want to run the ball with Collins. Cody White's their best receiving threat. He had a good game against Illinois as well. But they just, they're unable to get any sort of rhythm going on in the offense. And they're an offense predicated on not making mistakes and kind of dinking and dunking it down the field and and taking all three downs to move the ball. That has just not been working for them of late. I don't know if it's a personnel issue, if it's a coaching issue, if it's a confidence thing, but the way that they were able to get wins in the past on offense, I mean, it's just not working. Their offense is a mess. Let me ask you a couple questions about this game. Sir, about Michigan State's offense. Are you ready? Yeah. Does Michigan State throw for more than 75 yards? Oof. I'll say, yeah, conditions, we're going to be, what, like 29 degrees at kickoff, something like yep. that, sun. So, I mean, it'll be cold, but you'll be able to move the ball. I will say over, um, but that's assuming Lewerke plays, uh, but it won't be over by much. I'm going to guess about 110 yards passing. What do you think? Oh, I'm going under. I'm going like 65. I don't think there's any way this offensive line can hold up with the pressure. It's in Ann Arbor. The fact that they put on the performance they did last year in Lansing makes me feel even better. Um, Second question, over, under, 60 yards rushing. Under. Yes, that's, that's the only acceptable answer. There's no way this team that is in the triple digits of rushing offense is going for more than 60. Absolutely not. And that's part of the reason I think they'll get over the 110 is because this is going to be a game that whoever runs the ball and plays better defense wins it. I mean, it's just how this game generally is. So Michigan's going to stack the box. They're not going to let Elijah Collins dictate this game. They're going to make Lewerke and those receivers beat him. So, no, I don't think they're going to be able to get much going on the ground. MSU is also starting a true freshman at center. Good luck handling Carlo Kemp. Good luck. Yeah, I mean, that is that is not a great task for anyone. And I mean, we send other blitzes right up the middle, too. Cam McGrone's going to be coming at you. You're going to have to diagnose stunts and twists, all the different things Don Brown's going to be sending at you. And you need to be communicating. It's going to be loud in there. I mean, I'm predicting false starts. I'm predicting a, a sloppy game for Michigan State. Unless, I mean, they, they come out and just fire on all cylinders, which is possible, but... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think a low offensive output is is in store. Yeah, their only hope is just getting the ball out to a big Cody White on the outside. Maybe he picks on Vincent Gray in a bad matchup at times. But the way Michigan's switching up their defenses now, it's going to be a lot harder to exploit those weaknesses. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so let's switch over to their defense a little bit. And that was kind of what they were heralded on coming into this season. They return a lot of starters, Kenny Willickis, Joe Bocci, who's since been suspended. They've got some players back there and they haven't, you know, they haven't played terrible. Uh, The most that they gave up is to Ohio State in a loss was 34 um, or no, excuse me, they gave up 38 to Wisconsin in a 38 nothing drubbing. Um, but they, their defense has been getting progressively less and less effective as the season goes on. Maybe that's Joe Bocci, maybe it's other injuries, but I mean, it doesn't look like they're going to be able to withstand a surging Michigan offense right now. Now their defense is ranked one spot above Notre Dame for comparison in total defense. 
And I think they're wearing down because their offense has been so anemic. They're on the field so much, you just tire out. Kind of like how we've seen Michigan's defense do before, but this has been just for the entire season. They're on a four-game losing streak right now. You know, morale is not high. This team is on the field most of the game when their offense continually goes three and out or blows leads. Like, that's why this team was dead in the fourth quarter against Illinois. Yeah, and I mean, look at what Brandon Peters was able to do through the air against them. They were able to get running going. I mean, anything Illinois wanted to do in the second half of that game, they were able to get that going. Michigan State had no answer. And like like we were saying, and like we all know, they're going to come out and they're going to play harder. It's probably going to be very physical. It might be difficult for Michigan to get the ground game going, but talent is going to win out in this. And just the talent on their defense and the effort that's been there, I mean, just look at the numbers. If you give up 37 points to Illinois at home, what are you going to do on the road against a, uh, like we said, a Michigan team that's really finding themselves right now? Yeah, this is the ultimate body blows game. The team are going to trade body blows back and forth, and eventually Michigan's going to connect with one that leads to the knockout. I think so as well. So uh, I'm guessing we're both going to predict wins for that. We'll get to predictions here in a minute. Um, how do you see their season ending? Do you think they'll make it to a bowl game? After us, they've got Rutgers and Maryland. So the the absolute uh, whipping boy whipping posts of the Big Ten. I think they make it to a bowl game at six and six. Uh, that last game is going to be very interesting. It could it should come down to that. Assuming the season plays out the way we imagine, they'll be five and six entering that week. Yeah, I think they make it. They're just on sheer will. Talent will win out. They can just hopefully overrun Maryland. You'd like to think, but that game could be closer than we imagine. Yeah, I would. Uh, I'm sure Michigan State will be favored, but probably not by much. Um, if it's over 10 points, I would take Maryland to cover. Uh, Michigan State's just lost right now. Um, all right, brother, you want to get into some predictions here? Players of the game, and we can do some stats for this one if you want. Let's do it. All right, man. I'll go. I'll I'll lead us off here. Hit me. All right. I see the game being close through the first quarter. I'm saying three to three at the end of a quarter. Just. Kind of battled. Quinn Nordine hits the field goal. Shouts to Quinn. Ooh, I know. Ooh. I know. It. You know it. You know it pains me. Second quarter, Michigan starts to wear on them. Ends half up seventeen to three. Michigan adds a couple more in the second half. Walks away from this one. Thirty-four to three. Michigan State doesn't score outside of the first quarter. Talent just wins out. Uh, once the running game gets going, Hassan Haskins breaks a couple. Shea Patterson finds some rhythm through the air, tire out that defense. Michigan's defense is just smothering after giving up about one to three, you know, drives with a few first downs and they move the ball. But then after that, kind of like Maryland, it's just lights out, everything's over. Players of the game, give me John Runyon on offense, continue his demolishing tour of Kenny Willickis here for what he's done against Gross Matos, AJ Epinesa, who just torched Wisconsin, all beaten a loss. And defensively, Cam McGrone has a big one. Just in the backfield, in coverage, all over the field in this game in his first start against Sparty. I love it. I love every second of that. Yeah, we need to keep hyping that John Runyon-Chase Young matchup because I'm sure Chase Young will be back by that game. If you think he'll be sitting out for Michigan, yeah, don't hold your breath. Uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, I I see it a little bit tighter. Uh, I like what you were saying early on. I think it's going to be really tight. I'm guessing we're holding our breath at the half. 
Um, I'm thinking something like 10 to three at the half, something like that, just barely holding on to a lead or even three, three at the half, like you were saying, but talent's going to win out on this one. Michigan will figure out what they're trying to do. I mean, they can only throw so many trick plays at you to try and move the ball. They're just not going to be able to move the ball very much. I I don't see them scoring more than 10 points and you're going to have to score much more than that to beat this Michigan team. So I'm predicting it at something like, uh, give me, give me 28 to six i don't know if yeah 28 to six i don't know if it's going to be two field goals or if they're going to try and go for too late because they're down by so much and miss the two-point conversion but i like 28 to six uh offensive line's definitely going to rue the day for uh for michigan they're going to have to uh they're going to have to play stout i mean they do got some players over there against michigan state kenny willikis the next one that runyon's going to face and i'm sure um mayfield see a little bit of him as well um, as far as player of the game, I want to go Shea Patterson. I really do. Um, but I, I anticipate we're going to want to run the ball on this. So I'll go Hassan Haskins as my player of the game. I'm thinking something like 120 and a touchdown. Um, and on defense, defense, give me Lavert Hill. Cause they're going to try and pass the ball. We're going to stack the box. I think they're going to try and throw it around a little bit. I think Lavert Hill gets another pick in this one. Maybe takes it back. I would love to see that. <laughs> So before the Steelers' most recent game, Devin Bush predicted accurately sacks and interceptions. You got a sack and interception prediction a la Devin Bush for this one? God, that was so great. Is there anything Devin Bush can't do? No, he's perfect. I want him to tutor me in French. Yeah, he can do it. (laughs) He's probably never been or spoken a lick of it. Yeah, he's hired. Uh, Yeah, give me five sacks, two picks. Oh, I love it. It's... I feel like that's such a good line. Like if we're setting over unders, give me yeah. just you know I'm feeling really good. Give me six and three, just to just to go up a little bit. I feel like this could be a smothering performance. You know, we say this, and then it's going to be like one sack, no picks, and the game super tight in the fourth quarter. But oh yeah, it'll probably be fourteen to ten Michigan or something in a nail biter. That's super annoying till the exactly. end. Exactly, that's probably what it's going to be, but. I talked about this early in the season about some games are hurdle the week and trample the dead. This is just about trampling the dead, about putting that last nail in the coffin for D'Antonio, sending his last Michigan game out on a blowout embarrassing loss so the next time he's facing reporters, he can keep saying next question, next question, knowing he's never going to get another opportunity at the Wolverines. Yeah. Oh, man. The hair on the back of my neck, baby. Yeah, right now, Harbaugh is – he's sanding the handle on his hammer. Uh, he's polishing the nails. I mean, he's eyeing that coffin, thinking about where this thing's going to go in. And this could be the nail in the coffin if it's a beatdown, like you were saying earlier. I mean, if it's 34-3, which I would say is a beatdown, it's going to be very tough for him to recover from that. Paul Bunyan's axe is looking sharper and sharper. Let's go, baby. Keep it at home. It's still hate week. We still hate those creeps. Got to get it done this week. Do not get caught looking ahead against this team. I don't think they will. Harbaugh knows, you know, he's two and two against them. He's not going to get caught looking ahead against the team. He knows what they're going to come out with on Saturday. Yeah, he is. And fans, let the trash talking go. But remember, this is just a game. Like, you can talk your trash about your team. Don't take it personal. Either way, have fun. Fans can look ahead. We play no outcome in this thing just talking like this. I promise you that. So have fun. Hate Sparty. Let's get this win. Exactly. We're fans. Do whatever the hell you want. Just do it respectfully. I don't care. Looking ahead means nothing. We're not going to play on the team. What we say has no outcome. Well, well said. Sir. <laughs> I try. I do, I do my best here.
Yeah, yeah, and you succeed. You succeed. Any other thoughts from you, my friend? <sighs> no, man. It's gonna let's get it done. I'm. It's gonna be close, no matter what we, we no matter what we predict. <laughs> I feel like it's gonna be six to six with ten minutes to go. But let's get this win. Let's put Sparty behind us. Let's move on. Let's. I love it. All right, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Uh, make sure you follow Mason Brew on Twitter at Mason Brew. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, all that jazz. Follow us on Twitter at Andy underscore Bailey one at Blue 87 Like, share, subscribe, leave a review for all your shows and content wherever you get your podcasts by searching Mason Brew Podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of Closing Time hosted by our fearless leader, Anthony Broom. I am Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.